Many people think that's how the phrase was born, that they're echoing the heroism of some forgotten general or martyr willing to sacrifice himself for the liberty of others. But they're wrong. The phrase is usually attributed to Voltaire, though he didn't actually say it. It was a historian's paraphrasing of Voltaire's attitude, written more than a century after Voltaire's death. And even his attitude wasn't all that sincere. According to S.G. Talentire's The Friends of Voltaire, the quote traces itself back to a hullabaloo over a book by the French utilitarian philosopher Claude-Adrien Halvetius. The book, De l'Esprit, argued that people behave the way they do out of a desire to avoid pain or feel pleasure. Or something. Regardless, everyone hated the book, including Voltaire, who took offense at what he considered to be the author's insufficient praise of him. De l'Esprit was essentially ignored until the Dauphin, the king's son, read it. He really hated it. Parliament ended up banning it. The tome was even publicly burned, like a 1920s book that could catapult its sales by being banned in Boston. De L'Esprit became a sensation, translated into every language imaginable precisely because it had been censored. And, just as suddenly, Helvetius became a celebrity, his salon instantly fashionable. What the book could never have done for itself or for its author Persecution did for them both, writes Talentire. The men who had hated it, and had not particularly loved Helvetius, flocked round him now. Voltaire forgave him all injuries, intentional or unintentional. What a fuss about an omelette, Voltaire had exclaimed when he heard of the burning. How abominably unjust to persecute a man for such an airy trifle as that. I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it, was his attitude now. So, it is an expression born in glibness, defined by vanity, not courage, and it remains so to this day. This is only one example of the problem. I started to notice the same thing happens in writing, on TV, in books. People invoke these cliches as placeholders for arguments not won, ideas not fully understood. At the same time, the same sorts of people cavalierly denounce far more thought-out positions because they're too, quote, ideological. Indeed, in America, we train people to be skeptical of ideology. College students, in particular, are quick to object with a certain gotcha tone. That sounds like an ideological statement to me. Such skepticism doesn't bother me. Indeed, I encourage it. The problem is that while our radar is great at spotting inbound ideological statements, cliches sail right through. People will say it is better that ten guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail, and then stop talking, as if they've made an argument simply by saying that. They will take the slippery slope at face value. They'll say diversity is strength, as if that means something, and violence never solved anything, as if that were not only plausible, but so true that no further explication is required. We are only as free as the least free among us, they'll proclaim, misquoting Martin Luther King Jr. or Eli Wiesel, or was it Captain Jean-Luc Picard? But of course, this isn't even remotely true. It is a very nice thing to say, it's a noble thing to try to live by, but it's in no meaningful sense true. Rather, it is the sort of thing people assert in the hopes that it will win them uncontested ground in an argument. Sometimes the problem is simply lazy thinking. But in other cases, the lazy thinking merely creates the vulnerability for radical thinking.
Some incredible ideological ideas simply ride into your head like the dream spelunkers in the movie Inception, setting up, working their way through your programming, all because they're wrapped in the protective coating of cliches. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Consider one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. This is surely true if the other man is a terrorist sympathizer or an idiot. Otherwise, the expression is simply pithy hogwash. It is difficult to think of a cliché that more baldly disqualifies ostensibly intelligent people from the pretense of moral or intellectual seriousness. It is simply absurd to contend that because people may argue over who is or who is not a terrorist, that is therefore impossible to make meaningful distinctions between terrorists and freedom fighters. The reasoning behind the expression which entered the discourse in the late 1970s and was inadvertently popularized by Ronald Reagan in 1986, he rejected it completely.